Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and I am so excited about today's guest. I tuned into Allison's books, Keys to the Kingdom and the Queen's Code, a year or two ago, and it has drastically changed the way that I interact with men, the way that I see men, and it's just been such a beautiful unraveling. Um, And every time I re-listen to these books, I learn something new. So Allison has touched my life in so many ways, and I'm so excited that she is here with me for this episode to change your life in so many ways. I'm sure of it. So Allison Armstrong's exploration of human behavior began in 1991 with her decision to study men to find out how I was bringing out the worst in them and hopefully how to bring out the best. Her success in understanding men naturally led to studying women's behavior and making vital connections between the two. As her work evolved over decades, Allison now illuminates human characteristics that proceed and express themselves regardless of gender, age, and upbringing. And she distinguishes normal human instincts that compel both men and women to behave in ways that contradict and undermine our own purposes, goals, values, needs, and relationships. Besides fulfilling the need to understand why people behave as they do, Allison offers practical partnership-based alternatives. Through her seminars, books, online programs, and media contributions, she has given, been giving millions of people access to more fulfilling lives, loving relationships, stronger families, and productive organizations. Allison is a sought-after speaker and thought leader amongst people with the desire to live empowered lives. Her philosophy and approach are referenced and taught by other authors, speakers, business consultants, and therapists. Her live events and over 100 hours of online programs are available at allisonarmstrong.com. And we dive into all things around men and how to interact with men, how to move into that place where you embody the queen, how you might turn from a frog farmer (laughs) into the queen. And it's a really beautiful conversation with loads of wisdom and and a better understanding of men and women and how we can really complement each other and work together and um, move into a state of beautiful union. So I can't wait to dive into this episode with you. And please give us a five-star rating for this free podcast. Give us a review It all helps so much to get these conversations out to a wider audience. I absolutely love reading all of your reviews. And just recently, I opened up a part of the Patreon portal so that all podcasts, as soon as they are recorded, are dropped into the Patreon so you get access to new episodes immediately. I'm so excited of all the amazing guests I have coming up and sometimes they don't get published uh, on these public platforms for months um, because I do them in, in batch recordings. And so they are dropped into the Patreon portal immediately. So you get exclusive access. There's a seven day free trial. I highly, yeah, I 
highly encourage you to drop in and listen to some really exciting episodes and it's a way to support the podcast as well. And as well, I have been crafting up some amazing bison tallow skin cream and beef tallow as well. Beef babe. And it is so delicious and so nourishing for your skin. I'm really passionate about um, creating these products. And so there's a link in the show notes to purchase some of the Beef Babe or the Bison Beauty. And they are so, 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 so good. So definitely check that out in the show notes. And as Allison speaks about in this episode, there are some incredible sales going on over at her website. And I highly recommend keys to the kingdom the queen's code they're really great books to to deepen your understanding and so now let's dive into this episode with allison okay welcome to the podcast allison i'm so excited for this conversation i have read the queen's code and keys to the kingdom as well as done a couple of your online workshops and they greatly transformed the way that I interact with men. And so let's start kind of in those realms of what was the journey for you to get so curious about men (laughs) and relationship and become a, a leader in this work? Okay, the short version, right? Because it started in 1991. <laughs> so, um, I, I think I was born an activist. Um, I've always been compelled to speak up for those who couldn't be heard. And um, I was an advocate for the hungry and homeless and for children in Southern California when, like Kimberly in the Queen's Code, it was a colleague rather than a friend sitting next to me asked a very similar question as in the queen's code. Only the way she said it was why are men wonderful in the beginning and they'll take you to romantic places and give you romantic gifts and listen to you talk about your, your pets and your family as if they care. And then after a few weeks or a few months, they turned into sports, watching pizza, eating beer, belching couch slugs. Why is that? I don't even try to do a Texas accent, but imagine red hair and pink lipstick and chest thrusted out and, um, and people in the audience gasped because she was clearly just her. And, um, and the seminar leader, his name is his Herb Tanzer. And I don't know if it's because he was a veterinarian (laughs) in his previous career, but he called her a frog farmer. And, um, and she finally tapping her foot said, all right, what's a frog farmer? And he said, some women turn frogs into princes and you, my dear, turn princes into frogs. And, and I had, I had a vision, I had a vision of a big farmhouse with a wraparound porch. And I was standing at the front door with hundreds (laughs) of frogs with little human heads. And there was my ex-husband, I was 30 at the time. There was my ex-husband, there was um, my ex-boyfriend and ex before that. And then all the pretty much two week relationships I'd had. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. <laughs> since I was about seven years old. Um, and I just knew he was right, that I was a frog farmer. Somehow I brought out the worst in men. I was really happy. I was really, really happy because I didn't take it like blame. I took it like this means I can do something about it instead of just think men are jerks. Do you swear on your podcast? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought something much stronger than that. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So if I had something to do with it, then I could change me. And I tried to change them without success. And and I was so normal. So I didn't know how I did it. I did what I saw people do on TV, what I watched my mother do for ages, right? I just, I, I was really normal. And and then this question popped into my head. And I, I in the last few years, become suspicious of these questions, <laughs> where they're coming from, <laughs> um, because they've guided my work ever since. And, and the first question was, what if men are responding to women? Which it instantly was like, oh, that explains why I know women who are happily married to men, I'm sure are jerks. Oh, he, he treats her differently than he treats me, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are men responding to that I either end up being the sister or the barmaid, right? Never the, never the queen or the lover that you never stop um, pursuing. And... And so that's where I started. What if men are responding to women? And luckily it was a what if question um, because I found out so many ways that men are responding to women Mm -hmm. and as many ways that men are not responding to women, but we think they are. So we take it personally. Mm. So that's how it started. And I never intended to do it for so long. I, I had such a poor opinion of men. I thought it would take two to three months to learn everything worth knowing about them. And soon to be 33 years, um, just fascinated. And especially fascinated by, I thought they'd want to talk about work and sports. Mm-hmm. No, they wanted to talk about women and love and relationships and family and support and appreciation and was after I learned to listen longer, not interrupt them. I stunning the depth of these people. So I've just been fascinated for more than three decades. And they, they gave me a new view of women that have a much higher opinion of us than we have of ourselves. Uh, so it was good to hear that and to start to live into that, who they see us as. Mm-hmm. And then in the beginning, it was all about how we were different. And then it started getting to how we're the same. Mm-hmm. So many threads. I want to pull <laughs> so from. many threads, and I'm stopping myself. <laughs> I love that when you listen long enough, because I know for myself, I find men can be quite quieter in conversations when it's a one-on-one conversation um, with a man, where I'll start to fill the silence, and so I'm not giving them the space or listening long enough to receive their depth is what it feels like. Yeah. And I finally, you know, another question that came along popped in my head was what if there's a good reason for that? And I first applied it to men and my 
husband who I met six months into studying men and about a week after giving up emasculating them um, and finding out that as women, we have instincts. I call this one shoe the critters. And it was validated when I was in um, the Denali National Preserve in, in Alaska. And our guide instructed us to keep talking, make sure we're talking, because that would alert the critters <laughs> that were coming through the, the wilderness and they would move away instead of us startle them and then react badly, like with a fight response. Right. And, oh, yeah, that, that instinct still serves us well. And, but it makes it, it's so instincts are so compelling and create enormous tension in our bodies that we really relate to silence like it's dangerous mm -hmm. and, and that we have to keep up the talking and why won't they do their share of carrying the load? I stopped talking, you start talking, and, but they don't have that same instinct. Um, theirs are so much more organized around focusing and and silence is good for focusing. And um, yeah, I mean, as you know, I, I recommend counting to 30. Most men will weigh in at about 18. And okay. uh, unless it's about emotions and feelings, then it may take about three days or more. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just, I, they, if they say, I have to think about that. Okay, well, Will you get back to me after you thought about it? <laughs> or can I ask again in a few days? Um, it's worth waiting for. Yeah. Mm. What is it that turns, what is it that women do that turn men into frogs? Oh, golly. Um, well, since you've, since you've read the Queen's Code and I encourage you to, to listen to it as well. Um, it came out, I recorded it two years ago and the audio is so much more intense than the filters we have as we're reading the book. And um, so I'm gonna say it in a different way than in the Queen's Code um, because that was written originally in 2012 and I haven't, 2010 actually, and I haven't, oh my gosh, 2009. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> going back and back and back. Um, and so I found other ways to express things that help. And if you think about human instincts, which actually it's not just human, if you think about it, a hierarchy of instincts of procreate, then protect, then provide, and procreating not just being sex and babies, like entrepreneurship very much the, the green energy of procreation. And then once you create something, you protect it. Mm -hmm. And that's more like a lead energy. <laughs> and then after it's protected and you know it's safe, then you either provide it to others or you provide for it, but provide is the last. So procreate, then protect, then provide. And procreate trumps protect. That's why we have to teach safe sex. And every species risks its life, literally, in order to procreate. And, 
And then the protect is that it's that heavy energy. It's what makes parenting so hard and contentious. And, and then provide, you could think of as that gold energy and, and it's overflowing. And what happens is we either on purpose or unknowingly do something that, that men experience as an attack. And the same thing happens. Men do things that women experience as an attack, like raising their voice. But when we criticize, when we interrupt their focus, including when they're talking or not, um, when we literally come at them with accusations of their motivations, their intent, their um, how stupid it was what they did, um, anything like that, they retreat from providing into protecting and then worse yet into protecting themselves. And when men are protecting themselves from us, again, they could do it in fight, flight or freeze. So they could shut down, they could withdraw, withhold, disappear, or they could come at us. And it depends on the the person, because women can do this too, but like I have my first response is a fight response. My husband's first response was freeze. Hmm. And then his next response was to flee. And if he ever came at me with fighting him, can we talk about this? Um, he was really far down the line. <laughs> and, and so it depends on the person and their sequence, you know, mine's, fight, freeze, flight, and um, knowing that about ourselves and telling significant others, you know, th these are the signs that I, I experience being threatened, and this is what I will do, and it may hurt you or scare you, and these would be some good responses <laughs> and mm -hmm. if you want to head it off at the pass, um, but that's really what happens. We, we do all these kinds of things, even like ignore men. Like we walk by them again and again and again as if they're insignificant, as if they don't matter, as if they are not worthy of notice. And sometimes that's not the reason we ignore them. We're afraid if we make eye contact, they'll be encouraged to pursue something we don't want them to, right? So we'll ignore them in out of fear, but they don't know it's out of fear. They interpret it as they're not important enough to be noticed and they can get, that's a form of disrespect. And they have a huge response to being disrespected, to being distrusted um, because their survival in instincts tell them they depend upon that. They survive by, by being productive and their access to being productive is being trusted and respected. So there's things we do on purpose and there's things we don't do on purpose or we don't even know the effect. We don't know that interrupting men um, has a profound effect on them. We just, we just think they're shallow. <laughs> they don't have much to say instead of we ran the, the train off the track. Mm. Yeah. I think it's powerful to recognize how different men are from us. Yes. And the good news is, we have enough experiences as women of being in 
you could call it hunting mode. You could call it a committed state of mind. Um, we even involuntarily get switched from an open state of mind to a committed state of mind. If someone gives us a deadline, um, we got to leave in five minutes. We're going to get the hell out of my way. <laughs> like we're gonna have a personality change in a moment. And, but if we think about those times when we have a time limit, we have a result we have to produce, there's a lot at stake or it seems like it. Now imagine being that way most of the time. And you can, we can actually tap into what, what testosterone does to a man's brain, because while we have much lower levels of testosterone, we still have those responses and it can help us to have some compassion for, okay, well, when I'm like that, what do I need? Hmm. Oh, (laughs) let me finish my sentence. (laughs) Let's start there. Yes. Yes. What is it within a woman? Because I know a lot of my listeners might be single women that have been the barmaid or the best friend for so many years in their lives. What is it that we do as women that shifts that so that we can move into that queen space and not shut the man down or turn him into a frog? Well, there's, um, I would say there's two different sides of this. Um, so we were just talking about the, the things that we do that bring out the worst in men, Mm -hmm. but there's on the other side, there's what we can do to bring out the best in them. And, and then even on that side, there's who we're being, right? So there's the part that's personal to us. And then there's what we're offering them, right? So there's there's the us part and the them part. And have you have you read Making Sense of Men? No. Okay. No. It's the only nonfiction book that I ever published. Okay. Um, and it, it takes about four hours to read, but I published it because so many women were suffering from not understanding how men were responding to them and why. And so it distinguishes between what you could call, men would call it physical attraction, you could call it sexual attraction, and you could call it, like my generation would call it charmed and enchanted. A woman is charming or enchanting. Younger would say she's special. There's something really special about her. Um, You could also, in contrast to physical attraction, you could think of it as mental, spiritual, and emotional attraction. And what most women don't know is that instinctually, because of procreate being (laughs) the number one instinct, our instincts compel us to appeal to the instinct to procreate. So if you look in the media, magazines, even like what happens, just watch um, pubescent girls and older. Watch also what happens where they're showing more skin and they're obsessed with looking perfect, flawless, right? They'll just 
freak out at having a, a bad hair day or a pimple or um, it's now those instincts are full on that we think we need to be completely pleasing, absolutely perfect and appeal to a man's sex drive. And the thing we don't know is that their sex drive is so strong and so awake and aware <laughs> as to panel men once how much skin does a woman need to show to remind a man that her entire body is covered in this delicious substance? <laughs> and the man who chose to answer the question went like this. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. And but one time I one time I was teasing my husband and I and I I said, I, I was here and I said, I'm naked under here. <laughs> At a bathroom on or something. I'm naked under here. He said, You're always naked under there. <laughs> and I don't forget it. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. And, and um, a colleague of mine had twins. And after she had twins, she would wrap herself in a towel before she got out of the shower. And her husband's like, why do you do that? And she said, because my, my body's so different. I don't, I don't want you to see it. And he said, I don't think any of that. I just think naked lady, naked lady. (laughs) (laughs) So unfortunately what happens is instinct and culture has us many of us even lead with sexuality um, and not knowing that it causes the most primitive reactions in men. It's top of the instincts. So when we lead with it, we literally are bringing out the worst in them. It, it causes them, if you think of being really, really hungry, you're really, 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 really hungry, you're starving, you will steal bread. And, and it's a complete take energy. And, um, and, and it also causes objectification. Like there, there's just, it's just, an, that's what men call it a physical attraction. Their physical being is attracted to a physical object and it's transactional. It's, it's got none of the sweetness, love, respect, kindness, boundaries, all the things that we need. And so we'll instigate this. And most women don't want to be responsible for it. We think men should get a grip and we don't understand how much of a grip they, they do have. Like Mm -hmm. if you pay attention, their bodies are vibrating with overcoming the instinct to just grab it, touch it. (laughs) And so I tuned into, I had to pay attention to, and and so we don't, we don't know what we're doing. And then it brings out their worst impulses, which either scare the pucky out of us or piss us off, which then has us attack or freeze, right? Many women freeze to an inappropriate remark or physical response will freeze and unfortunately because of testosterone's effect on the brain, they don't, they don't interpret freeze. 
they 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 don't interpret freeze as afraid or angry. They interpret freeze as consent. Oh. It causes so many things to go wackadoodle. And yeah. it's why one of the reasons why I published that book, which I think on our website right now, the ebook is probably in the neighborhood of like seven dollars because we're in a um, we're in a holiday sale. But it on the other side of it men pursue romantic relationships um, with women to whom they're both physically attracted to and mentally and emotionally or spiritually attracted to. And those qualities, so the our part, it, it distinguishes in that book, but I'll just tell people right off the bat, the most attractive quality um, is self-confidence. Mm. Number one. Now, I had hundreds and hundreds of men say it's probably different for other men but for me when a woman is self-confident <laughs> and they say it the same way again and again they don't know that all the other men think that too and um and what's awesome by knowing that because that's the quality that has men care about you that is the quality that has men want to give to you contribute to you protect you instead of take from you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the thing that has them manage themselves and their attraction and like, don't blow it, don't blow it, don't move too soon, don't <laughs> don't kiss her, don't be too soon, don't be too over, don't, you know, like they're, they're gonna make sure not to blow it up. And, but it also has them look to see how can they make your life better? Like just as simple as opening a door. I, I made this moment easier. Um, or, or I know a man who showed up to a second date with a modem. This was back in, back <laughs> in the 80s. Showed up with a modem. I mean, we needed modems back then. And and he wanted to provide for her. And he noticed she didn't have a modem. So oh, that's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they, um, it's just adorable. But but then it causes another thing, Lisa, and that is the more they want to give to you, our inability to receive because we misinterpret it as creating an obligation on our part, like now I'm going to have to have sex with them, which is not true. We won't let them give to us. And so the more self-confident we are, and then second to self-confidence is authenticity, the more real we are. Oh, my God gosh and then third is passion so so many men will say you know when we talk about a woman to marry well she has to have something in her life she's passionate about something that fills her up that's not me <laughs> and um and so if self-confidence and authenticity and passion that's going to put them in uber give mode and they're already incredibly generous providers and when we, the inability to receive from them, which, you know, we talk about in the Queen's Code, mm -hmm. it, it hurts so badly. And, and again, we can identify this. Think of people that you admire, people you think are wonderful, people you think are doing good in the world and how much you'd like to serve them, contribute to them, make a moment a little bit easier for them. 
And what if they just shut you down? No, I can do that myself. Yeah. What What do you think? I'm weak or something? Like, mm. oh, just the word men use is crushed. And they'll look like they're like they were run over by a truck and their their collarbones just were <laughs> turned to mush. And we do it too often, even when we don't mean to, because we have these reactions. Like, oh no, if I accept that from him, he'll expect something from me. Uh, if a man does that, then that's when you set a boundary. And most men, all they all they want is you to receive it, to appreciate yeah. it, to see who they are that was offering it, to see the goodness in them. Um, so I mean, this can be an upward spiral, right? And get better and better, or it can instincts will have it be a downward spiral right into mm-hmm. the sewer. Yeah. Is there anything that comes up for you around how women can start to open themselves to receive more and not, not shut it down. Yeah. Um, and it may sound really funny, but, um, the clearer we are, the clearer any person is about what they will not put up with what they will not have in their life, the ways they will not let people treat them. So we would call the back of the hand again. So we would call this boundaries. Mm. So the clearer we are about our boundaries so that we're not having to decide in the moment, right? Like think about it, write it down. What's not okay. Mm. And And then like the folks in my smart singles intensive, I have them interact a lot and they don't have to date ever if they don't want to, but interact a lot and practice being true to yourself, practice speaking up for yourself, practice saying no to what you won't have. Um, Like we teach in dating with distinctions. Don't ever meet up with someone in person. I tell men this too without having stated a need, an authentic need, and watch how they respond. If they act like you didn't say anything, the end. If they act like you've offended them in some way, the end. That you're too controlling to have said such a thing, the end. Um, Oh, why you being such a spoil sport? The end. (laughs) If they're disrespecting your needs, that is an excellent sign that they're just physically attracted and they want to get in your physical presence ASAP to take from you. Mm -hmm. And this is true for women as well. Like they might be economically attracted. And so I encourage men to state a need. And then watch what happens. If she does anything from ignore to blow off to attack, the end. She doesn't, she hasn't actually responded to something about you that causes her to care. Mm. And ay, ay, ay. So the, what I found in, in working with people about their boundaries and with myself, because of becoming suddenly single four and a half years ago when 
Greg died, um, that the clearer I became about my boundaries and knew exactly where the fence would become electrified, <laughs> exactly when the things were going to pop out of the ground, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at this point, knowing that at this point, I will do whatever it takes, well, then it would be a kindness to let somebody out know ahead of time, <laughs> this is what I require. And the more clear I was about it for myself, I stopped having to be on guard. Mm. When, when you, I, I call it an infinite ability res to respond. So when you have clarity, it, it's part of the access to an infinite ability to respond in the moment, which means you don't have to be on guard. You can just walk down the street, open, happy, seeing people, smiling, acknowledging. And if someone takes it the wrong way, stop. You took that the wrong way. Yeah. Back up now. <laughs> oh shit, lady. Okay. <laughs> and, but the rest of the time you, you can just be open. It's the craziest thing. The clearer we are about our boundaries, the more we've proven to ourselves that we're loyal to our boundaries, we don't have to be on guard anymore. Mm. It's wonderful. It's what everyone wants is to not have to be on guard. But we think to not be on guard, we have to trust everyone, even when they haven't demonstrated they're trustworthy for what they, we want to trust them for. No, that's silly. Don't do that. <laughs> right. That made me think about oftentimes in relationship, women will, won't let men in until they trust them. But this is kind of the opposite of like letting your guards down because you know yourself so you trust well. Yourself. Yeah, trust yeah. yourself. And the, the problem, Lisa, with trust them is, and women, men are the same way too. We want to, we want to live in a world of, absolute trust of blanket trust. Like, can I trust them? Oh, I trust them. And I refuse to engage in a conversation about trust that doesn't finish a sentence. Trust them to what? <laughs> trust them for what? And if somebody says, you know, I, I trust you, what do you trust me for? Um, because often trust is just a word people use for expectation. And people can expect us to do things that we've never agreed to do. And then when we don't do them, we didn't even know they expected it of us and we don't do them, they'll say they can't trust us. I thought I could trust you. We never talked about me being accountable for that. <laughs> so I remember when I first started seeing men romantically, I, I this weird thing was happening. They'd It'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, sorry for what? Well, I'm sorry, it's been two days since I called. Uh, if we haven't talked about it specifically and you haven't agreed to do something, I don't consider that I have a right to expect it of you. And there's nothing for you to apologize for, so please don't. <laughs> if they keep apologizing, I'm like, oh, this is hopeless. <laughs> but, but we have to watch and we have to... I call it due diligence. We get really clear about what you need and then look for evidence. 
And even if someone says, oh yeah, I'm that way. I want to be that way. I want that too. Okay, they said that. However, let's look for evidence. They say they want an exclusive relationship, but there's, they still are active on the dating app. Right. Okay, maybe not exclusive with me or not yet. <laughs> we should talk about that. Um, we can trust people if we pay attention. I could trust mm -hmm. Greg to eat chocolate every day, no matter what he said <laughs> to the contrary <laughs> that he was committed to. He would eat chocolate every day. And um, we're still discovering the chocolate hidden throughout the house. <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. Um, and then out in his office to discover, like, it, it was, I forget how long it was. Oh, it was probably like six months after he died. And I was making a studio out of the garage. And the person helping me told me months later you know, that they, they hid the Skittles. I'm like, what Skittles? <laughs> Greg had a lot of Skittles out there. <laughs> My husband ate Skittles. <laughs> I didn't even know it. <laughs> so it's, there's a lot of being wide awake instead of in La La Land that we all need to mm. do. And it, it turns out so much better when we're willing to do it. And you can find out what someone really can be trusted for especially what men can be trusted for. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and I, I didn't expect it. I didn't think so. Um, but you can trust them to get really upset when they feel disrespected, <laughs> when they feel distrusted, when their productivity is criticized or, or has obstacles to it, or they need something to be productive and they can't find it. You can, you can expect big blowouts out of these people. And if we try to trust them to not do that, find someone who doesn't care about being productive. Oh, we don't want to be with someone who doesn't care about being productive. They occur as really weak and that's not attractive and we never want to jump their bones. Hi loves, just interrupting this episode for a quick moment to talk about a product that I have been using over the past couple months on my healing journey and it's castor oil packs and they are amazing. So amazing. I highly, highly recommend castor oil packs. Queen of the Thrones is my go-to. The castor oil is organic as well as the packs are organic cotton and they are so easy to use and I mostly use the liver pack on the right side as well as one for my neck for the thyroid but there are many many different packs that you can use and castor oil has so many so many health benefits and so with the link in the show notes you can get a 10% discount by using code Lisa Hillier 10 and I would love to hear how your healing journey goes with the castor oil pack so please let me know and as well the castor oil is amazing when navigating perimenopause and menopause it helps so much to balance your hormones so definitely check it out in keys to the kingdom you spoke a lot about 
the initiations that men go through. And that just made me mm-hmm. think about early 40s, midlife crisis kind of realm and what a man goes through at that time. Can you speak to the different um, initiations that men go through and what they're experiencing mm. during the those times? The stages of development? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because if we had more initiations, it would probably go better. Um, So they're missing the initiations. Yeah, yeah. There there are cultures that still have initiations in in different aspects of manhood, they might call it. And I know the Mankind Project, that's one of the things um, in, in the New Warrior training. I don't even know if they're still doing it, but... In the new warrior training, they would have an initiation because it's missing in our culture. And um, so first, like, I, I just would say, Lisa, is that after all the work that we did on researching the stages of development in men, it wasn't until decades later that I could authentically engage in the stages of development of women. And that to the degree that we're in hunting mode, to the degree that we have a career, to the degree that we have goals and drives, um, the same things can happen to us. And including the tunnel, including going through the tunnel. So um, quickest version and these things again are all on sale right now. The amazing development of men one and two, um, little guys, you call them pages, <laughs> night wannabes. They're, they're born as night wannabes, um, and admiring men and wanting to be like them and imitating them. And at puberty, they become what we call a knight. and nights are all about adventure and conquest and, really building skills and then testing the level of their skills. And they may test against themselves. They may test against others. This is why video games are so appealing because they're actually built for these instincts. And um, and even deciding what they have no interest in building a skill in. And this is one of the things that drives teachers and parents crazy. You can't make them care about what they don't care about. Mm. And um, and even deciding what it'll take to get to the next level isn't worth it. Um, so they'll, like, a parent might have huge ambitions. A coach may have huge ambitions for an athlete, for a musician, right? And then, and then that person just stops. Why did you stop? Because... I don't want to do it anymore, but you have such potential. (laughs) No, it's not worth, they, they don't know. They don't know to say it's not worth it to me. They, that those are words that aren't often spoken, but it's, it's true. What it would take to go to the next level. They're not interested in doing. And I got to learn about this by watching my son a lot. Like he had this huge surfing trip and I, so where are you surfing next? He goes, I'm, I'm not sure when or when or where I'll surf again <laughs> what <laughs> well i i took it to the level that i wanted to get to and what it would take to get to the next level 
I don't think I want to do that. And I don't want to have to live on a coast. <laughs> so I'm going to go find something that gives me what surfing gives me. Rock climbing. <laughs> Poor mom. Um, so, so that's the nights. And they it's something to have a lot of respect for. And if you stay interested in it, they'll share themselves with us. Um, Prince's starts summertime, late 20s, early 30s where adventure is is starting to be less important and building is taking center stage. What am I gonna build? Where am I gonna build it? Do I have everything I need to build it? Um, and then depending how quickly they resolve that will determine a whole lot of things because it's about a dozen years after they choose their building site, if you will, that they usually have accomplished enough that they're seeing that, like that I'm going to get there. And that's when the tunnel hits. That's when what we call midlife crisis. Um, and it happens to them. It's not something they do to anybody else. Um, mm. And it's a period of tremendous self doubt and questioning and something I learned Lisa since, um, since publishing all the material in Keys of the Kingdom and The Amazing Development of Men, is that going into the tunnel, what men are, are experiencing and usually don't talk to anybody about is how ashamed they are of themselves as they're recognizing all the ways that they adapted and and betrayed themselves in order to be acceptable. I still uh -oh. me? Did I lose you, Lisa? Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> there we back. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, you're gone for a moment. Do you want me to okay. start that sentence again? Yes, please. You started with Lisa and then I lost you. <laughs> ah, okay. So um so so I've learned more about the tunnel since Keys to the Kingdom in the material about the amazing development of men. And besides discovering how much women can end up in a midlife crisis, um, learning that the beginning of the tunnel, the beginning of that transformation, that journey from prince to king is a profound awareness of how they betrayed themselves how and having deep shame for having adapted in order to be respected in order to be um in order to be accepted in order to be approved of and they're they're deeply ashamed of themselves and they don't they're unlikely to talk about it because mm -hmm. it's so shameful and they have ugh, that feeling in their right there in the self chakra in the, in the, in the center of the body. And interesting. It's one of the feelings men and women seem to have in the same place, which isn't most of them. And, and so going into the tunnel, they're confronting that in a variety of ways. And then to come out of the tunnel on the other end includes the willingness to pay the price whatever it is of no longer adapting i'm not going to betray myself anymore and if that means this person isn't isn't in my life i don't have this opportunity anymore i can't be this or do that then okay 
it's it it's not worth it to sell myself for that i did it i'm never going to do it again and that's what has someone come out that that clarity about who they are and that they won't betray it is it doesn't mean they'll be perfect at it but the determination is intense that's what has men come out of the tunnel and has them be so different to interact with because things they put up with beforehand as a prince in order to be accepted and approved of and and respected and included and all that kind of stuff they won't anymore and that's why so many marriages blow up mm-hmm. um yeah they they're that's why why keys the kingdom exists right to notice to notice what's happening and so we can shift as they're shifting how can women support men when they're going through that tunnel oh boy um well as you know uh, characterized by friendship um that you care more about them than uh, how they're surprising or frightening you. <laughs> Wait a second. You know, he's like, I don't know who I am. I, I'll tell you who you are. <laughs> no, that won't work. They'll just go underground. Um, so being willing to listen, but not pry. Okay, if there's anything you want to express, I'll put the duct tape over my mouth. <laughs> Metaphorically, I hope. And just listen. Um, often it's good for men to have a therapist at that point. Um, who really is going to just listen and doesn't have anything at stake in how frightening their uncertainty is. Um, Treat it as a sacred time instead of this terrible thing that's happening that's out of your control. This is a a sacred passage in his life. And, And if I've been wide awake to see who is this man and what's the beauty of this man, in all likelihood, there'll be more of that on the other side, mm-hmm. um, they tend to become more of who they are, um, much, much more, like a brilliant version of, of who they are um, and have always been. So be interesting. My son's 35. Mm-hmm. The youngest person I've known went into the tunnel at 34. I can imagine Jeff will be around 40, early 40s or something like that. <laughs> Be interesting to watch. Um, yeah. So, yeah, reading reading or listening to the audiobook of the Keys of the Kingdom can help a lot, um, both for men and for women. Men, men have cried about that book um, to understand what was happening to them was such a gift because of the character Mike, you're you're in Mike's head from time to time. And like, oh my God, that's exactly what it's like. Um, and, and that it is it, you also have to pay attention to what is enough. What is enough of what I need from my husband? What's enough of what I need from my significant other? Because he he is in a state, never worded it this way before, but having set up, procreate, then protect, then provide, there is a, a confusion about what is self and therefore how do I protect myself? And just, it's like he's having a, 
yes, he's trying to protect himself from himself. <laughs> and mm-hmm. So they're, they're pretty freaked out. And so the, the more we can be con- clear about what is enough, what is the minimum I can be with of attention, affection, sex drive, con- concern about me and my life while he's in the middle of this horrible, horrible place to be. No man would choose to be there. Mm. When I found out I'd been in the tunnel, I, I just, I had thought it was the worst six months of my life. And when I came out the other side using what I call King speak, <laughs> heard myself saying, I'm, I'm just not interested in that. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that's what Kings do. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, I was in the tunnel. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of, lot of res- respect is yeah. Good. Go ahead, please. How does a men's a man's midlife crisis differ from a woman's midlife crisis? I I don't know enough to tell you that. Um, I. I only have my own, which mm-hmm. I didn't know till it was over. And one of my dearest friends um, was miserable and we were on a walk. We, we were neighbors at the time. And as she talked and talked and talked and talked about what was happening with her, it dawned on me. It's like, it's, it sounds like you might be in the tunnel. <laughs> and And so my conversations with her, I got to start to distinguish some things and a couple of things that, that proved really useful. One was, um, that she felt like she was a, an angry blind person stumbling around in the dark Mm -hmm. and, and then as we were distinguishing it, because we're, you know, female, we pay attention to feelings, right? And we could see that as women, when we look to see what's true for us, and we'll even kind of put our hands right, right, right here, like both of these parts, right? The high heart, the feelings here in the center of the chest. And when we look to see what's true for us, there's a place. There's a place that we check against to see what's true for us. And what Michelle said was that when she looked to that place, there was no place. Hmm. So her references for truth, her references to commit from, which is the thing that's so hard in the tunnel is to commit. Um, it was gone. There, there was, there was no place to check against. And so it's like, where's your true North that disappeared. And And then later on, um, what she described was that a new place showed up, that it wasn't the same location. It was a new location where she could check for what was true for her. And fortunately, because she was able to articulate this, that when the new place arose, the old place arose it like reappeared mm. and was worrying and trying to get her to go back, <laughs> go back to how she was before, which was just like a man's tunnel to be a 
to be appealing, to be approved of, to be acceptable, to, to behave in the ways that she'd been behaving before for all that. And, and so she could see one was trying to pull her back as this arose, this one like, (laughs) and, and so to keep consciously choosing to honor her new sense of self and, and built that muscle. And she made some really interesting choices in her life that definitely in her highest good, but by observation. So that's all I'm going. Go ahead. Yeah. So for a woman that's going through the midlife crisis or the tunnel um, and is feeling like her marriage doesn't fit anymore. Uh The man that she's been with for like 20 years doesn't fit. How does she initiate him into his own growth without telling him what to do? (laughs) (laughs) Because we know that never works. (laughs) How do they grow together? Okay, there's a couple of things. One is, first I recommend while she's in the tunnel, while she has that confusion and dissatisfaction and shame and, you know, has to own how she adapted in order to get what she needed and, and develop clarity. Who am I really? What matters to me at this point in my life? Really? What is worth my time and energy and resources? I would recommend I've never been asked this before but my first response would be wait until she's on the other side don't don't try to cause something like that when you aren't clear yet what you need and until you know what you need you don't know what is enough of what you need and so in the middle of that angst and confusion attempting to change another person. Um, <laughs> you're hanging on by your own fingernails. <laughs> don't, don't kick out at something else. Um, and so that's the first thing I would say, wait till the other side to see what you need. The other thing I would say is men don't change through criticism. Women change through criticism, men don't. And so you, again, why you would need the clarity is so that you can state what you need. I have a new need and this is what it is and this is what it would look like and this is what it would provide for me. And so having that clarity and we talk about getting that clarity in something called Thrive Your Life, which is it's about an hour and 20 minutes and it's power packed. Um, And it, when you have that clarity, then you can tell a man the things that he needs to hear because he's, he's motivated by the difference something will make and something that he's not interested in could be worth engaging in to a certain degree because, because of what it would provide for someone he cares about. Now, unfortunately, if we emasculate men too much, it causes them to not care anymore. 
So oftentimes by the time a marriage could get to a point like this, he doesn't care. He's not going to do something for her because he's, he's had so many times when he's been set up to win, when he hasn't been received from, when he's been attacked and diminished and no, I don't, let's go our own way. <laughs> so, so you just have to watch because they're, they're motivated by providing, not by staying out of trouble, not by not being criticized. That doesn't have them do what we need. So we have to have that clarity. And then there's also, there's something, um, some work I ended up working on for over several decades. Um, it, we now call it your hidden dominant drivers. And we've identified six different main drivers for human beings, at least so far. And they're hidden because they are the why of what we do. What's obvious is what we're doing, but the why is often um, not. So for example, building is one of the drivers and a woman who identified herself as, as building, 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 when she looked at it the way that we teach in Hidden Dominant Drivers, found out that everything she built was so that the people she shared her life with would enjoy their lives more. So she was mm. driven by sharing and enjoying, but what was visible was building. So growing, as in who we're becoming, is one of the drivers. And knowing, we call it knowing and growing, knowing which is about learning and acquiring information and oftentimes there are people who are learning in a in order to grow <laughs> there are some people who are growing in order to build <laughs> there are people who who are learning just my husband was like this he was a library he he was constantly learning in order to know in case anybody needed it, <laughs> mm -hmm. but he had no compulsion to teach. He was just a library. He was, it was a kind of passive thing. You build it and then it sits there and waits for who needs it. Um, and so if someone doesn't have an independent drive to grow, trying to push them in that direction is like trying to get a true introvert to go to a party every night. <laughs> and, um, and so, so we have to watch when we have a drive to grow, um, then, and we're looking for someone who will grow with us. This is why I encourage people, A, more due diligence about, find out everything about yourself you can, then find out everything you can about the other person. But I also, at this point in my life, I've raised my children. Um, I don't know that I'll ever marry again. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'll ever say till death do us part. I'm in, I mean, Dan and I are amazing with each other in, there's a, there's a dedication to each other and a dedication to what we're doing with each other. But we promise to never give the other person an ultimatum of marry me or I'm out. And we're, he's, he understands very clearly why I'm never, ever going to get up, give up the right to vote, to say, no, I'm not going to live with this. 
I'm out. And, and I was married that way till death do us part. Um, but it, there's certain stages of our life and ages of our life that that is a, it's a, it's a false sense of security and it doesn't fit with how much human beings change and grow. And I mean, it made sense. It made sense when most of us died by the age of 40, didn't have such significant changes in who we are. Yeah. And, um, and the instinct to bond and hide in a cave together to stay warm and fight off the tiger together. It's so strong and it can have us, it can have us decide to do things that are bad choices ultimately for us. So, well, a lot of people have saved marriages from what they've learned from me or gotten married from what they've learned from me. I would never describe myself as pro-marriage. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pro-awake, aware, and choosing and, and really paying attention to what we need and I mean, I didn't, I was 62 years old before I could say, I like to be alone. I enjoy being alone. I even love to be alone. I, I need tons of alone time. I don't want to live with another human being. (laughs) And, you know, Dan lives about 180 feet from me (laughs) and I see him almost every day. Um, but sharing a residence, <laughs> we did okay sharing a boat last week. <laughs> did good. But I don't think I could do that long term. And a big part of it was the six other people on the boat pretty much tur- turned over the front of the boat as my space. <laughs> and a lot of alone time. They'd even come out going, is it okay if I sit out here? <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's so true that we never used to live this long and now our life expectancy has doubled and we're going through these big, you know, like menopause, these big initiations where everything completely changes. Very few women lived long enough to have menopause. Very few, especially because of the toll on, on the body of having children. And before mm-hmm. reliable birth control, a woman could have 11 or 12 children. And that that costs. That has a cost. Um, yeah. It's... But our instincts haven't been updated. And something I've been working on lately are even the instincts that are, that are, they're planetary instincts. They're primordial. They're not even just human instincts and yet we're driven by them from dawn to dark <laughs> and we 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 think that what they're what they're advocating for what they're creating all that tension about is actually what we should be doing with our lives um yeah there we go okay we're back we're back we lost each other <laughs> Yes, we were just talking about systems. (laughs) Yes, yes, technology. We love it. Which question I really wanted to ask was, how do men see women? Mm. 
Mm. Oh my gosh, I've expressed it in so many ways. Um, well, I'm going to say a bunch of things, but I just want to start with saying we, they're so much more sensitive than even they think. And they're sensitive to good things. Like they're sensitive to um, what they would call sincerity. So do the words and the feeling match? And for the words and the feeling to match, they have to be feeling the feeling that's happening in that person. And they don't give themselves credit for how much they can feel appreciation coming from us. So if we say thank you, but we're not feeling appreciation, it's hollow. If we say I love you, but we're not feeling love, mm-hmm. it's hollow. Um, and they, they're they mystified by our relationship to emotions, um, although they keep, they keep um, making allowances. So the, the mystery, the beauty, the life force, the often what they would consider loftier um, ethics than they have, um, our capacities for patience and compassion, um, for caring, for nurturing, all those things are in awe of, and they then give allowances for <laughs> what can drive them crazy. Like they don't understand diffuse awareness. Um, so we just occur as scattered and they don't understand why we're so distracted. Um, they don't know we have, our brains are very different. Um, but like to them, we, pay an inordinate amount of attention to what we're feeling and are yanked around by our emotions more than they would ever allow. Um, but they, okay, she's a woman, she's going to be emotional. And they're just hoping not too emotional. And one of the biggest discoveries I made in the last few years was I'm certain men are way more emotional than women are, that their emotions are much more intense. And that's why they are so proud of themselves for keeping a grip on them. And so they only show the tip of the iceberg of their emotion. And when a woman is um, in a rage, what I call the rage monster from her feelings, right? There's a, a video on YouTube about it. Um, when we're enraged from our feelings being hurt, they assume that's the tip of the iceberg. They don't know that's the whole iceberg. Mm. (laughs) We don't, we can't get any worse than that attack that the editor in our brain has put together. And they, they don't know that that is the worst. We are the most frightened, the most disconnected from ourselves and our spirit, the most out of control, the most, just this little blip of consciousness going, no, no, I don't really think that as the most horrific stuff is spewing out of our mouths. Um, they think it's the tip of the iceberg and they're terrified of it. They don't, no, that's the whole thing. 
And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's the good news, guys. That that's the whole thing. And if you don't try to stop it with the sword of truth and logic and end up getting burnt to a crisp by a 30-foot fire-breathing dragon, <laughs> if you could just take a deep breath, be illogical because you didn't intend to hurt her, but she's hurt anyway, and say, I'm, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. <laughs> and mean it. Really mean it. you got to be sincere. you got to really, really mean it. Um magic words can save lives. Um, just as a woman saying, I, I'm sorry I disrespected you. Even when we look in our bodies and we can't find a single feeling of disrespect on his side, he was disrespected. If we can own it and say, I'm sorry for it, we'll get our partner back. Um, very hard for both of us to honor the other person's reality when there's nothing over here that says that could or should be true. Um, I know one man who decided in order to be able to tell his wife, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings, that how he can work his way around doing that is that if he had never been born, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he'll just take it on himself because he was born. <laughs> and it allows him to sincerely say, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings. And, um, of course, there's so much more to be said about that, but we teach that in Understanding Women. Um, but men have used, they use the word magical, mystical, um, unicorns in the forest, color in a black and white world, um, necessary, absolutely necessary. Um, there are a few men who are trying to not need women. There's kind of a movement as more men are denigrated the more they want to be impervious to who's denigrating them they're trying to not need women but most men would consider that foolish they, mm. they just accept that they need women um i've encountered a couple of misogynists who so need women and don't know how to get what they need from women that they've gone the route of hating women mm. um just as women multiple We'll do with men. I know I did it. Um, but how come we don't have a word for it? <laughs> yes. I'm like wondering, why isn't there a word? Um, what's, 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 the, what's the misogynist? What's the other mm -hmm. word? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they, they, they've called us delicate flowers of nature. And um in awe of how women can think differently and come up with solutions that they could never have arrived at and if they're not treated as less than by that then they just can admire and respect it and call on it um it's true for all of our strengths if we don't you know what's wrong with you that you're not like this then they can just appreciate it um They, they talk a lot about the life that we bring and how just one of us can enter a room and change everything. Um, that it's a woman's consciousness that makes a house truly a home. And, they, and it's why they look for what they look for and who they're going to live with. That, that the 
quality she embodies are those are the homes she want, that they want to come home to. Mm. Um, many men have expressed um, they they think women most women are smarter than most men. Um, early on in teaching women about men, as interacting with. Um, it was actually the same man who said, naked lady, naked lady. Um, <laughs> he said, I've never understood women's, um, the women's movement to, to be equal, the drive for equality, because it, it seems like a step down for women. Mm. Why would you want that? <laughs> he was probably not quite 40 years old, very successful man. Um and I mean, I, I my life changed by listening to men talk about women. I started to see women differently. I started to see myself differently. And they, you know, they're so attracted to self-confidence that they will attack what they see as affecting the self-confidence of someone they care about. You know, very colorful language. Those those effing women's magazines, and why do you ever listen to such and such anywhere? And you know, in the Queen's Code, you know, Jack being like, "Why do women put that so-called flawless crap on their face?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anything that diminishes our self-esteem, they will want to go to war on. Whether it's our mother or a so-called friend or some show we insist on watching or you know someone we're following that just makes us keep feeling less and less they yeah they're um yeah they also um think we're incredibly courageous and have a different kind of strength than they do um it's it's humbling to them um like our pain threshold is so much higher than theirs and how resilient we can be you know the phoenix rising how we can rise again and again and again um they're they're pretty much in awe of us and if we're if we're not attacking them they're they are just happy to dwell in awe of us and want to be good enough for us mm-hmm. and are just looking for signs. Um, like Mike talks about in the Queen's Code, you know, just looking for signs that you, that we think they're good enough for us. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. That's such a beautiful spot to end this conversation. Thank you so much. It was such a joy and I can't recommend the books enough for for all the listeners to dive into these realms. Is there anything you want to add before we close, love, that I haven't touched on? Oh, do, if we had 12 more hours, I, I <laughs> but I think it's a good place. And well, actually, I would say this because what you asked in the very beginning, even if you even if you don't know what it is, if a man's being defensive, if you adopt, okay, if he's being defensive, 
he must experience that I'm attacking. Let's get, let's get curious instead of thinking he's an idiot. <laughs> okay. It seems like there's a good word to use. It seems like you're feeling defensive. So I'm guessing I must have said or done something that might, might have felt like an attack, but I truly don't know what it was and I didn't mean to. Would you be willing to illuminate? And then imaginary tuck tape over your mouth and just <laughs> wait and wait and wait. And, and usually what men want to do is they want to go away and settle down, calm down, let their nervous system shift and then come back. So even offering that, if you want to go away and come back, I'll, I'll wait. Um, or just text me when you're ready. Or, But that curiosity, I swear they have dictionaries in their head and they don't even know it. Um, the origin of curiosity is the Greek that means to care. And mm. so being curious about what am I doing that's having this effect on you, that can move them to tears. Um, what men have expressed about to the women who go through our curriculum, they're just like, wow, that you would do this to understand us, to treat us better. Um, they're very, very moved by that. So, mm. yeah, we can assume, I, I just thought men were like, they were defensive because they were weak and they were wusses and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that I knew of. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it really can turn out if we just, if we start with being curious, a little, you know, big dose of humility that we don't know everything that we're probably misinterpreting. Um, there's so much we can get through. And um, for, for the person who's worried about being with someone that is it ending up in the same place? Um, I created something last summer, this last summer called Connecting Through Conflict. Mm -hmm. And it actually, it's very, very powerful to identify where are we disconnecting? Is Are we disconnecting at the level of expectations, at the level of preferences, at the level of needs, at the level of values? And how do we know which one it is and then if we weren't going to just be ordinary humans blowing everything up with conflict, how could we treat these things in an extraordinary way and end up actually my stand is I'm not done until I'm glad it happened. <laughs> Every conflict is an opportunity to have something be really better and really better in a sustainable way. Um, so that's an area to get curious about, get curious about conflict that there's, there's gold in them, their hills, a lot of treasure in a, in something we normally avoid. I love that getting curious about conflict because it is something that we typically avoid and yes. yeah, getting to that place where we're happy that it happened. That can be yeah. a lot of digging to find the gold, <laughs> <laughs> but the gold is always there. It's there. It's totally there. 
even if the goal is, you know what, this is a, this is a real conflict. This is an authentic conflict. We shouldn't try to be having this form of relationship with that kind of conflict. It will Mm. never work out. And not because either of us are bad people. We're just not a fit for each other. Mm. Oh, oh, I love you so much. Let's not try to be this anymore. That's the kind of gold, the, the freedom and the kindness to not try to get something from people that they can't give. Beautiful. Beautiful. Do you have any offerings happening right now? Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know when you're posting this, but our holiday sale lasts until January 10th. Okay. And we have huge discounts on our introductory online curriculum, on... Um, we have bundles where we put like things together that, that go together um, and complement each other, like the Extraordinary Communication Bundle. Uh, everything individually is 35% off. It's really easy to give them things to other people. Um, yeah, this is a good time of year for people. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you can spend six days with the 15 hours of understanding women for $79. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. 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 And I highly recommend the ones on men. Very enlightening for sure. Yes. So good. So good. Thank you. This You're is a welcome. pleasure You're to have welcome. this conversation with you. And yes, all your links and all that will be in the show notes so where everybody can okay. reach yeah. out and experience your, your magic. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.